So this is 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 20. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 20. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Now he's talking about the people. The people, the population was as numerous as the sand by the seashore. And they were eating and drinking and rejoicing. Uh, the nation was experiencing a profound sense of prosperity. Notice verse 21. So Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river, that would be the river Euphrates, to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Now Solomon's provisions for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fatted oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures, 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fatted fowl. For he, Solomon, had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, that would be the river Euphrates, from Tithsaph even to Gaza, namely over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace. He had peace on every side all around him. Boy, what more could someone ask for? Profound prosperity, lacking nothing. The people were eating and drinking and rejoicing. The people had multiplied. They're as numerous as the sand on the seashore, and they had peace. Verse 25, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Solomon was greatly blessed by God. Not only just to be king, but God blessed him in his role and in his function as king. He prospered, he had peace on all, all sides. All these kings from the surrounding nations served him. They bowed down and they brought tribute to King Solomon. Now let's go to chapter 6. Uh, what I want to just mention here as part of his great success and the blessing of God is he built the temple. It took seven years to build the temple, but he built a house for the honor and the name and the fame and the renown of his God whom he loved and whom he served. So, in chapter 6, verse 1, it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. We read in verse 14, So Solomon built the temple and he finished it. Then if you will, just uh, go down to verse 37. 37, we have another summary statement of this great achievement in building the temple. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. And in the eleventh year, in the month of Bul, which is the eighth month, the house was finished. In all its details, according to all of its plans, so in seven years, uh, the house uh, of the Lord, the temple, was uh, built. Praise the Lord. A great achievement by Solomon. It's what God wanted done. And Solomon took the building of the temple quite seriously. Because he loved God and he wanted to honor his God. Go to uh, chapter 8, if you will. Chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 54. Uh, This is the dedication of the temple. Solomon has just given a very long prayer. And now after he has prayed to the Lord, now he turns and blesses the people. So this is what Solomon says as he blesses the people. 
This is uh, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 54. And again, as I read these words, I just want you to notice how blessed, how favored by God Solomon was, and how God had just poured out his profound uh, grace upon Solomon and the people. So verse 54, And so it was when Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord, that he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees, with his hand spread up to heaven. Then he stood and he blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, and this is what Solomon says to the people as he blesses the people, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all God's good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. I mean, do you realize what God, Solomon is saying there? God is faithful. God is good. God is reliable. Not one word, not one promise that God has spoken through Moses, his servant, has failed. God has fulfilled all the good purpose of his heart. We've been just so blessed. Now, verse 57. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine, uh, with which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people, Israel, as each day may require. But all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. You see what is in Solomon's mind? He just just wants God to be praised. God has been so good to him and his people. He just wants praise to be going back up to God. And Solomon wants him and all of his people to be used by God so that all the earth might know that there is only one true, right God, and it's the Lord God of Israel. There's no other gods. So verse 61, as Solomon blesses the people, he says, let your heart, let your heart... Let your desires and your goal and your affections and your aspirations therefore be loyal to the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as it is this day. And then Solomon goes on and he uh, finishes the uh, dedication of the temple. But Solomon has been greatly blessed by God. The people have been blessed. Solomon knows it. Now let's go to uh, chapter 9, the next chapter, chapter 9. And now uh, God appears to Solomon a second time, and God has a special message for Solomon. So let's just read this, and then we'll uh, look at one more passage, and then we'll get to his failure. Uh, So chapter 9, and verse 1, And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have sanctified this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, uh, to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. 
But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have sanctified for my name I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will be exalted, yet everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done this or thus to this land and to this people or to this house? And then they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and embraced, they have embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. See, God is good. God is pleased with what Solomon has done so far. God is very pleased with Solomon. And God is gracious because God is giving Solomon a little pep talk here. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you like you wouldn't believe. All I ask, all I ask is you love me and serve me and keep my commandments. And you do not dare bow down and serve any other God except me. Because that would be a slap in the face to God. That would be a big insult to God. To think that any other God could do what God does would be insulting to God. To think that any other God could possibly provide for for these people the way God has provided would, would just be a terrible insult to God. God would be terribly offended. Let's go to chapter 10. And let's just read a summary statement about Solomon's great success. Uh, We could read more, but let's just notice uh, chapter 10, verse 23. Chapter 10, verse 23. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. If ever there was a man that was profoundly blessed by God and favored by God, if ever there was a man who has received great gifts from God and great grace from God, It was Solomon. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate year by year. Boy, Solomon is doing very well, isn't he? Wouldn't you like to be in Solomon's shoes? Now comes chapter 11, verse 1. These are all his successes. We've just summarized them very quickly. But come, and now comes to chapter 11, verse 1. But. It begins but. But usually indicates a, con, indicates a contrast. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. In other words, pagan women. Women who worshipped and served other gods. He loved, he loved women who did not worship and did not love and did not respect the Lord God Jehovah. So he he loved and loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. By the way, the daughter of Pharaoh was his proper wife. That was his first wife, it was the proper wife. We don't know for sure, but we might surmise that she came to worship and believe in the true and the living God. Okay, so these, uh, these foreign women that uh, King Solomon loved, the text tells us, were women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, 
in the Hittites uh, people that actually God wanted to be destroyed because they were all pagans. Uh, they were from verse 2, they were from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your hearts after other gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He clung to these women in love. He had great affection for these women. He admired these women. And he wanted to do whatever these women wanted him to do. I suppose he was at their beck and call. By the way, men, that's not always a good place to be in. (laughs) Um, and, And he just couldn't say no to these women. And they were pagan women. They wanted to worship their different gods and go through their different religious rituals. And and, and Solomon just just couldn't refuse them. Okay, verse 3. Here comes the sad reality. Verse 3. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. That was verse 3. His wives turned away his heart. You know, Solomon left the prescription for marriage, which God had ordered originally, one man for one woman. And I suppose his father David had many wives and concubines, but it seems like Solomon had far more than what David ever had. Verse 4, And so it was now when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal, not faithful, not devoted, not committed to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. In spite of all of David's sins and all of David's transgressions, in spite of his sin with Bathsheba and the cover-up plot, in spite of all the faults and the failures that you can point out against David, and David had plenty of faults, at least David was faithful to God. David never bowed down to a false god. David never worshipped at the altar of an idol. Never. In spite of all of his faults. But not so with Solomon. Something was different about Solomon. So verse 5, For Solomon went after the Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, that was a goddess of sexuality and fertility, uh, he went after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. That would be one of the Ammonite gods. Um, uh, Solomon, verse 6, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not fully, he did not fully, completely, totally follow the Lord as his father David did. Let me just pause here for a moment. You know, a lot of people think that, a lot of Christians I think even think that, well, as long as I follow God mostly, as long as I try to follow God as best I can, um, you know, as long as I follow God 60, 70, 80%, that, that's good enough. But God was disappointed because Solomon did not follow him fully. God wants us to fully, completely, totally follow him. Not just follow him half-heartedly and, and just follow him somewhat. God wants us to follow him fully. So uh, the text says that Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord simply because he did not follow God completely, fully, totally. Uh, verse 7, then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, uh, the abomination of, uh, of Moab. So this is one of the gods worshipped by the Moabites. Um, I understand Chemosh uh, means uh, conqueror. 
Um, and I understand this particular God that was worshipped among the people of Moab, uh, uh, the practice of uh, child sacrifice or human sacrifice was involved where children, perhaps the firstborn, was offered up and sacrificed to this God, to appease this God. And that was something the Israelites were, were prohibited from doing. Now, I'm sure Solomon never did that, but he had wives who, who worshipped this God. Um, and then notice the text says in verse 7, Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem. What did Solomon just finish building in Jerusalem? He just finished building, spending all the sums of money and gold and silver. He just finished building a beautiful temple for the Lord God of Israel because he loved God and he wanted to honor God. And now he's building this this altar on a hill just east of Jerusalem to some pagan foreign idol. You see how he's changed? His heart is not right with God. His heart, his affections, his desires are not fully uh, going toward God. But his affections and his desires have been turned aside. And also, verse 7 tells us that he also built an altar or some sort of shrine for Molech, uh, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And I believe Molech was also a god that engaged uh, in the practice of child sacrifice. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, for all his pagan wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. You know, we ask ourselves the question, if Solomon had to have more than one wife, why could he have not taken a, a Jewish woman who loved God and believed in God? But no, he had to have these foreign women. Maybe he was attracted to foreign women. Maybe they just seemed different. Maybe more, more interesting, more exotic or something. I don't know. But notice verse 9 now. Here comes verse 9. But By the way, you notice I think the word heart appears at least six times throughout this passage. Keep, keep having a reference to the heart of Solomon. The heart of Solomon's heart was turned away. His heart was turned away. These, these foreign women turned away his heart from the Lord, from serving God. And, and Solomon built all of these shrines and altars for other gods. And at times it seems like he actually participated in some of the uh, offering of incense and sacrifices and so forth as well to keep all of these women happy. So verse 9, so the Lord became what? Became angry with Solomon. Don't you think God had a right to be angry? I mean, after all, imagine how God had blessed Solomon. I mean, was there a man more blessed than Solomon? No. And Solomon, uh, God, God appeared to Solomon the second time and gave him that warning. If you, if, you, if you and your sons walk before me and you're faithful to keep all of my statutes and you worship me and me alone, me exclusively... You know, you'll never cease to have a man sit upon the throne. I'll establish your kingdom forever. But if you or your sons turn away from me and worship other gods, I'm going to spew you out of the land. You're not even going to stay in the land because the land is a gift. I gave you the land. It's a gift from me to you. And I'm not going to let you enjoy the gift if you don't, if you don't enjoy me. And then this great temple, Solomon, that you built, you know, it, it, I'm still going to honor my name, but boy, this people are going to walk by and, and say, wow, why did God allow the temple to be destroyed? because the people forsook me. And so God warned Solomon, Solomon, you need to be faithful to me. The prescription for success and prosperity is to be faithful to God. And Solomon was not faithful. Uh, Verse 9 again, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart, his goals, his desires, his affections, his yearnings, his aspirations 
had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded him. And it cost him dearly. Because now Solomon is going to have some enemies. He's going to have some adversaries. Uh, He's not going to have that peace that he had been enjoying. And also, God warns Solomon and tells Solomon, I'm going to tear the kingdom from you. I'll leave you a tribe, uh, but I'm going to give the other tribes to your adversary. And so the kingdom is torn away from him. And uh, even though Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, who was his adversary, he was not successful. And Jeroboam uh, inherited, uh, I think, ten tribes uh, of Israel, and then Judah and Benjamin were left uh, and became known as the tribe of Judah. So it's, it's just so tragic. Solomon had such a good beginning, such, 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 such uh, honor to be named as David's successor. He just excelled in prosperity. He excelled in wisdom. He wrote many, wrote many of the Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He wrote the Song of Solomon. A great contributor to Scripture. And yet, his heart was turned away. We need to make sure that our heart is never turned away from the Lord. That our heart remains steadfast and faithful to God. Don't let anything, don't let anyone turn your heart, your goal, your affections and your desires and your interest and your aspirations away from the Lord God and His greatness and His goodness and from serving Him and Him alone. So again, I get back to what Proverbs says. Oh, I need a light there we go. Above all else, make it a priority. Guard your heart. Watch your heart. Care for your heart. Care for your affections, your goals, your desires, your aspirations, your interests. For everything you do flows from it. And putting it in the words of the New Living Translation, guard your heart. Guard. Watch over your, your goals, your desires, your affections, your interests, your aspirations. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's pray. Lord God, the, the departure of King Solomon from you, in spite of all your blessing and all your favor, is so tragic. But Lord, we can learn a lesson from what happened to Solomon. And Lord, I just pray for myself, I pray for my family, I pray for all of us here that are part of this fellowship, Lord, that you might give us the grace and that sense of urgency to watch our hearts to guard our affections and our desires. That our affection and our desires might be always channeled toward you. To who you are, to your goodness, your greatness, your plans, your purposes. Lord, may we realize afresh tonight how good it is to be your people. To belong to you. To live our lives under your care and the security that you provide for us. Nothing could be better. And so, Lord, just give us that spirit of devotion and commitment to you and to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we labor in this place for you. And as we go to our places of work or employment tomorrow or engage in our duties and responsibilities this week, I pray that everything we do, we would do it as unto you, with joy in our heart, expressing gratitude to you that we are alive and we are receiving from your gracious hand your mercy day in and day out. Now be with us, your people, and help us to delight in you 
and to be satisfied in you at all times. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, our final hymn is a hymn of uh, resolve and commitment. Let's just sing two stanzas of 517. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are nobler, things that are higher, these have allured my sight. 517, we'll sing the first and the third stanza. Go ahead.